0: All right, welcome back to the Forfeit Fatherhood podcast, a podcast for fathers by fathers, uh, where we talk about the four pillars of fatherhood, which are faith, family, finance, and fitness. And uh, I'm excited to have this particular guest on because he's nowhere near me. Usually I get guests on and they're, they're relatively close, but this is like the other side of the world. So I'm I'm super excited for the guest today. And I think you guys are going to get some really, really good information from him um i'm excited for you guys to hear about his story and, and some of the things that he's doing our guest today is sebastian Bates. sebastian tell us a little bit about yourself man how you doing
1: hey rod good morning or good evening where you are uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like we said when we started this we're just two guys shooting the breeze across the pond and um, yes sir yeah a pleasure to to be invited on you know i've seen your content online and just fully aligned with so much of what you say and um, you know i think You know, I think a lot of dads would would agree with it. the majority of the stuff you're saying must fully align with them, just like me. So, yeah, pleasure to be on. Um, Very brief intro to me, if you like. Uh, My name is Sebastian Bates. I live here in Dubai with my two kids, three and six, a boy and a girl. Um, I run a a martial arts organization called the Warrior Academy. Over the last 12, 13 years, I've worked with over 30,000 children. Uh, We're currently based across three continents. Um, We are the largest martial arts academy in the UAE, which is where I live in Dubai. Um, I've written two best-selling books, one on character development and one on anti-bullying. And our whole mission and vision really is to transform young lives through character development uh, to build resilient young people so they can go on to live a happy and successful life uh, in the future. And um, alongside the War Academy, I have the Bates Foundation, which sponsors over 2,000 orphans in developing countries to develop their character through martial arts. So that's that's what I'm up to.
0: Yeah, yeah, not a lot or at all. Just, you know, just doing a few things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> man, that that is that is an impressive uh list of things that you got going on there, man. Um I have to ask, how did you how did you get into to the warrior academy? Like what kind of drew you into to doing that and doing that kind of work?
1: Yeah, so I, I grew up in the in the countryside of England um and then we moved around a lot my dad was in the army uh, he was in the marines and the Paras. so we moved around a lot um as you do as a kind of army brat kid uh four four kids in the family it's a, a fairly big family um i i grew up and i was in the royal marines for a while and then i left to to study architecture in denmark um you know i was going to be an architect right and then i remember a year into the course where i was I was just washing dishes every day to to save money for the rent and um, studying sort of eight to 10 hours every single day. I basically got fed up with life and I wanted more adventure. And so I bought a one-way ticket to India. And while I was in India, I was trying to pick up work and different, you know, creating different ways of generating income while I was traveling around, right? So I would sleep on sleeper trains at night. I would go to hotels um, and bring tourists to the hotels to then stay for an extra week. And I was doing that around Southeast Asia. Um, As well. Eventually, I found myself on a Thai boxing camp. And I'd already had about 15 years' experience at that point in uh, Taekwondo. And I was a national champion in Taekwondo as a young person. Um, But that's where I fell in love with Thai boxing. It's obviously a very um, full contact, uh, brutal martial art. Uh, But it it taught me so much. And when I came back to the UK, because eventually I had to come back, I couldn't carry on this uh, unsustainable (laughs) way of living forever. Eventually, I came back to the UK. And um, I wanted to do something physical, I didn't want to be, you know, doing an office job. Um, and so I started to be a personal trainer. And my first gig as a personal trainer was teaching Thai boxing in a rundown inner city gym. And so there I was walking into this inner city gym, and there were 20, 16 to 18 year old young men. and they were coming from very difficult backgrounds. A lot of them were you know, struggling with substance abuse, alcohol, drugs, um, domestic violence at home. They were struggling with um, relationships. They were struggling with basically making the right decisions. They kept on making the wrong decisions in their lives. And so when they came to this Thai boxing club, they just wanted to fight. You know, This was just a testosterone filled room with young men who just wanted to let off steam. And when I, when I first uh, took it over, you know, I remember teaching them that they had to bow when they entered the room and they had to shake hands. They had to park their shoes off and they were, before they were just kind of kicking them off. Um, and it was, it was fascinating to me to see the change we made within them from, you know, within a year. Within a year, we had these young people giving up alcohol, giving up drugs, living a clean, healthy lifestyle, making better decisions, not sleeping rough, getting on with their parents. Um, and we had 15 national champions within 12 months. These guys were already fit, physical young men, right? So all I needed to do was go in and, and change the, the character. And so what I realized was the, the big transformation we made wasn't about martial arts. It was about using martial arts for something they enjoyed and they could follow, but really planting the seeds of what we call a black belt character. And then I realized, well, if I if only I had found these guys 10 years earlier, then I would be in a position where I could transform their lives, right? If I could find them at four to six to nine years old, we could plant the seeds of a black Blackbark character and it would go on to change those little decisions they made, which would then compound over time. And so that's what I did. I then started the Warrior Academy, which was uh, a club for young young children. And it started in a little village school. There was a hundred kids in the whole school. And um, we had you know 20% of all the students in the whole school signing up. We had 20 kids in the first class. Um, and from there, it grew. Within a few years, we had 500 children around the southwest of England. Um, that then escalated to us wanting to expand um, somewhere urban. And so on a trip to Dubai, I realized, you know, why don't I just launch here, uh, which is what I did. And um, within a few years of being in the UAE, we became the largest martial arts organization in the UAE. Uh, we've got about nine offices across the country here. Uh, we've got about 1,500 students who train with us every single week. And um, and that then led me on to, to developing, you know, our, our scholarship academies and the stuff we now do around the world as well. So, that's basically where the war academy started
0: man that's an awesome story you know it it in america and this is not always right but typically when when a guy's in in college and he's like yeah i don't really i'm not really feeling this college thing he doesn't buy a ticket to go to india he just drops out and he goes and hangs out on mom and dad's <laughs> couch so you're you're <laughs> you're already uh doing this thing way different than than the typical uh college student in america for sure yeah. but um but <laughs> the you, you mentioned something in there that I thought it just kind of resonated with, cause just because we're, you know, dads and talking about kids or whatnot, my, my daughters both did taekwondo for a little while, because I used to train a guy named Peter Lopez who uh represented I believe he represented Peru in the Olympics a couple of years, a couple of Olympics. Um and so they did, they did Taekwondo with him. And I remember him talking about black belt character and they used to have to have black belt character when they were doing it and, and just it stuff. It was really cool to see the few, you know, they'd be in a class for like an hour and they'd talk about it, mm. you know, but then you could see them come home and they would practice it. So, you know, the, right. the, the way, the way that they conducted themselves at home was like, it w- would a black belt do that? You'd hear them say it like. Is that black belt character? Yeah. Are, are we being honest? And some of the different things that he was teaching them and just like an hour, like, you know, maybe once or twice a week. And then it just carried over into how they presented themselves um, at home. And I oh, think really? that was really, yeah, it's really, it's really cool to see how that, that transfers over. Um, so when you mentioned it, it like it rang a bell for me. And I was like, Oh yeah. Um, they ended up stopping. They that, didn't like yeah. To, yeah. They didn't like to kick people. <laughs> uh, they got, <laughs> you know what? they got to the point. It's bringing the lessons,
1: right? It's bringing the lessons from the from the dojo to the home, and that's yeah. that's the key. Which most martial arts organizations don't they don't they don't crack that, right? They they, they the classes are great, but how do they transition those lessons, the character lessons, uh, to the home? I, I love what you said about you know how does a how does a black belt behave? Does a black belt do this? Does a black belt do that? Because really, when you you know, we call it the black belt journey because when a student signs up to us and they earn their uniform, they don't just get the uniform; they have to do a series of behavior challenges at home. When they earn the uniform, they put it on for the first time. It's like they they take on this identity, right? And especially young kids, they've got this incredible imagination. And um, I was in I was in Nairobi last year in uh, a homeless shelter with thirty homeless boys. They were street kids, and they they um you know, they've typically spent the last three or four years on the street. Again, you know, it's kind of full circle because these kids were struggling with substance abuse and, and you know, all this sort of stuff, sleeping rough. And it, for me, it was like, wow, it's just like when I first started. Some of the kids, I was, you know, the, young, the older boys I was working with, right? But now I'm with eight to nine-year-olds in Nairobi in a homeless shelter. And this is our first Bates Foundation Warrior Academy scholarship academy, if you like. And we were providing them with tuition. And um, I remember giving one of the boys, you know, he's covered in scratches and burns and scars, and he's had a a traumatic life. But I gave him this uniform, because he performed so well in the class, right? And this was his, probably his only, you know, set of clothes outside of what he was wearing that he owned. And um, I remember when he first put it on, it was just incredible to see the change in his eyes. He was like, I'm now a martial artist, right? It was like, Mm -hmm. I'm now going to Become a black belt, and the beautiful thing about that, I think, is, you know, you're not just giving someone martial arts classes; you're giving them an identity. You're giving them something to live up to, something to strive for. I mean, in the War Academy we call it a moonshot, right? You you you're basically planting a moonshot in the in the uh, in the young person's mind, which is to to become a black belt. But obviously, as parents, we know it's not really about the black belt. That's just a piece of material. It's, it's the, it's the striving to become the person who could have a black belt, which changes their character in the same way, you know, uh, Jeff Kennedy, when he does the speech about the moon, about the moonshot, he talks about, you know, what's the point of going to the moon? Well, it's about, it's about changing who we are and having the discipline to become, to become a society who could send someone to the moon. And I love Mm -hmm. that because it's kind of similar to parenting, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like uh it's not the the it's not the being a black belt, it's the becoming a black belt, right? It's the journey that takes you from where you start to to where you hope to achieve. But along the way, it's what it's all about, right? The process and and the growth and the maturity and all the things that you learn about yourself and about others um is is what's what's most important. If you get the black belt now, obviously that's awesome, right? Like that's phenomenal to become a black belt. But even even before you get there, the person you become is so much more like magical than, than where yep. you started. Yeah. that That's
1: awesome, man. So I've met, I've met so many martial artists who have incredible competition accolades and they've got black belts and all this sort of stuff, but they're not actually good people. And you know, I, I, there, there's people think that if you sign up to martial arts, you're automatically going to become a better person, but it's not about that. Right. Because you know, there's, there's there's this moral education that I think a lot of martial arts clubs are missing, which is what we focus on so much. And I think ultimately the child wants a black belt, but the parent wants a black belt character. And it's something I keep saying because, you know, what do we really want for our kids? Well, of course we want them to be able to protect themselves. But more than that, you know, they're not really gonna be attacked that often, right? So more than being able to have the level of self-protection, which is important, it's being able to look after themselves from a mental point of view having a moral compass, right? Having high levels of confidence, conduct and concentration, what we call the three Cs. And I think that's a, a moral education that we can provide using martial arts as a vehicle.
0: Yeah, when I was I was looking at looking at the Warrior Academy website and, and kind of watching the videos and some of the testimonials and things that people are saying, it is definitely, I think you guys say, it's more than punches and kicks. Right. It it was it was definitely very clear that that is obviously a part of it. Like you mentioned, being able to defend yourself is obviously a part of it. It's a martial art. There's got to be some part of it that that involves the physicality. But I think all the other pieces that go around and like I I looked at your blog and there's like the topics are like character development and, and disorders and behavior and school and. I mean, like, this isn't just how to kick. This is not a, just a roundhouse. This is not, no. you know, just how you strike in, in <laughs> high, low, high, high blocks, low blocks, middle blocks, right? This is like a full developmental program for, for young people. And yeah. I think and that's you know something what? that's <inaudible> missing.
1: Yes, exactly that. And oh, I, I speak to parents a lot about this, and I'm like, well, if there was a better way of developing character than martial arts, I'd be doing that instead. If I honestly thought there was a better way out, you know, a better vehicle out there of developing character. Martial arts is great, but developing character. Now, that's incredible, right? And, and I, when I speak to my instructors, I say to them that the true legacy of your work isn't what goes on in the dojo. It's what the students go and do when they leave. And kind of one of the, one of the beautiful things about serving society, serving a community, serving mankind, I think, is putting your heart and soul and passion and years into something never truly seeing the 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 fruits of your labor because they go on in a decade's time right it's like you plant the seeds of a black belt character you know what what how does that shape a child's life in five years 10 years 20 years when they're when they're going through something difficult traumatic you know how do they approach adversity and they reflect back on their own instructor's words in the dojo and it you know, I look back at the things that my instructor taught me, and he was a fantastic instructor, and, and I learned so much from that, right? It, it helped me transition through bullying. You know, I, I had a, a life-changing accident where I, you know, I, 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 was, I had a base jump, and I, and I broke everything from my waist down after falling 50 foot from a parachute, and I had to learn to walk again. It took me two years. I was told I could never walk again, and a, a lot of that resilience comes from the martial arts training I had and all this sort of stuff, right? It's like, well, if you didn't have that, you didn't have that grounding in, in developing character, how different would your life be? And so, for me, that's it's super inspiring to, to to have the privilege of of working with young people doing that.
0: Yeah, you know, you mentioned something there that 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 parallels with with parenting is like, and I, me and my wife talk about this all the time. Is like, you you don't know like the things that you're doing right now. Like you're trying to do the best for your kids, right? You're trying to parent them the best way possible, and you're trying to figure out like what is the way that I should do this and do that but you really don't know like right now, like right now you feel like you're doing okay, right? But the true test is like when your kids have yep. kids, right? Or when your kids are, are grandparents yeah. and you can yeah, you yeah, can yeah. look back on it and be like, oh man, yeah, you know what I did? I did do a good job, look at that. Like, you know, you don't know these, I like you said, the seat-
1: or, or maybe I shouldn't have done that or-
0: <laughs> Right, where well, you guys are- <laughs> Maybe you guys I shouldn't been strict. strict Maybe I shouldn't have been strict. Right, yeah. right. Do so, you, you know what, you, you, this is
1: This is one of the as well. I mentor a lot of people through bullying and one of the biggest challenges I've got with bullying is the amount of shame or guilt parents have associated with that because you know their kid will go through bullying and they'll be like oh I should have done this differently or I should have done that differently or you know it's my fault that, they're, that they've that they gone through bullying and all this sort of stuff and I'm like first of all you're not born with a guidebook most parents are completely winging it. I don't know if that's an American term, winging it. Do you guys oh, say yeah. that? Yes, yeah? we do. <laughs> yeah, you say that. It's like, it's, you know, parents come from a place where they, they, they have so much love for their kids. They want to do the right thing, but they haven't got a guidebook. So they've got to kind of just figure stuff out as they go along. And, um, and so you do the best you can as a parent, I think, um, without having all the information that you need. But there are certain things we learn as the generations of parents evolve, which I think, you know, you, you look back and you're like, well, actually, I don't need to do things the same way my parents did because we've got this new level of education. We understand things differently. Um, you know, and, and so when I, when I look at things like bullying, I'm like, well, first of all, your child is likely to go through bullying, more likely to go through it than not go through it. Right. So as a parent, it's kind of your responsibility to learn about bullying and to learn how to protect your child. And one of the things I always say is you can't always be there for your child. All you can do is empower them to face life's obstacles on their own because they've got to go through something like that on their own, right, to, mm-hmm. to really grow up and evolve. They've got to go through bullying on their own. Um, but, it, but it's interesting because a lot of, a lot of the, the bullying transcends generations. So, um, you know, an interesting story I have about that is I was, I was working with a confidence coach who was who was doing um, some work with us on bullying. And um, she was like, well, you know, I was, I was bullied when I was younger. And I was like, what were you bullied, bullied for? And she said, well, the way I look and uh, my weight and, this, and the way I dressed and this sort of stuff. And I was like, OK. And, and I got talking to her. She's like, well, yeah, my mum was very strict. I was like, OK, what was she strict on? She was, she was, like, well, she was very strict on how I looked and, and how I dressed and she was strict on my weight. And I said, go and speak to your mum and um, ask her if she was ever bullied, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So she
1: phones up her mum that week and she's like, mum, were you, were you ever bullied? Did you ever go through bullying? She was like, yeah, I did. And she said, well, what were you bullied for? She said, well, the way I look, what, how I dress, my weight, right? And the spooky thing about bullying, as well as any previous trauma that we experience as a young person, is how it follows us like a dark shadow and transcends through generations. And if mm-hmm. we don't have the courage to face up to previous negative, toxic behavior traits or whatever, or previous trauma, then we will pass it on to our kids. And that sent shivers down my spine when I realized that. I was like, as a parent, it's, it's our responsibility to
0: kind of face our own demons in order to be a better parent, right? Yeah, yeah, man. I think, I think whatever, whatever we don't face in our life we pass on right like we have i'm <clears throat> saying in football mm-hmm. like if you're if you're not if you're not coaching it you're letting it happen right like if, if something's going on yeah. in your team and you're not coaching it up you just kind of give it a pass and you're letting it happen and it happened once and it'll happen again and so i agree like if, if we aren't facing it in ourselves and repairing ourselves then we just pass that trauma on to the next generation
1: yeah yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the big goal of a parent. I think, you know, it's, it's p- people say to me, you know, and, I, and I'm a young parent, I'm, you know, thirty, 33, I've got a three-year-old and a six-year-old. I mean, I'm a young parent for Dubai anyway, um, back home, you know, there's, there's, I've got lots of friends who are much younger with m- much, many more kids. Um, but you know, people ask me what's, what's a, what's the important, the importance or what's the, the key for parenting. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I think it's, I think if you want to become a better parent, one of the most important things you can do is work on yourself, right? Because if you can develop yourself as a person and develop your own character as a person, as a parent, then your kids mirror that, right? They get to an age where it's all about copying the parent. Initially, they're very, very young and you're just, you're just in full nurturing mode with them, right? When they're one, two, three or four years old. But after that, I feel like they just, they mimic you. They copy what you're doing. So if it's not just it's not just a case of talking about you know about you should do this, you should do that, you've gotta act it right and so and so I think that's kind of relieving, isn't it? Like we don't have yeah. a guidebook on how to parent so so maybe the best way to
0: parent is just becoming a better person
1: ourselves and showing that through our own actions and having our kids copy that
0: yeah, that's a great point man i I think that may be it, like I think you might have figured it all out like right there, like you <laughs> that's it, all parenting you've got you've got the perfect devices. <laughs> If we work on ourselves and we become better versions of ourselves, whatever title we put on top of that is ultimately better. Right. And so that title is parent and we create a better person ourselves and we're a better parent. Or at least we have the potential to be a better parent. I guess you can make a decision and not choose to be a good parent, be a better person and a bad parent. I don't know if that works together but maybe it's possible. Uh, but, but I think they go hand in hand, right? It's like, as you, as you improve yourself, as you heal from whatever past traumas you have, as you, uh, gain more confidence or you, you take care of yourself in in different ways, I think it sets you up to be better for your children. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I totally agree. You know, and and it's, it's one of those things, right? Like, like you say, you, you won't know for another 10 years, but, um, but ultimately, if you just work on yourself and you're trying and you're facing your your previous demons, even if you're not fully successful, your kids are still watching you do that, right? They're still watching you overcome that. And we weren't we weren't all born in the same place with the same privileges or the same challenges, you know. And it's a case of it's a case of we've all got different demons to fight. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. And I think your kids will always always see that, right? You know, if you're if you're a if you're a parent and you're struggling with addiction or something like that. And, um, you know, you're you're working your best against that. and You're doing your best for, you know, for yourself. I think your children grow up seeing that and that influences their own life massively. You know, they always they mm-hmm. always fought to improve themselves to therefore improve me as a child. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you're right on, man. Um, I had a question for you, though. So for for a parent. Right. I'm sure somebody on here, like you said, you're probably more likely to. A, a child is probably more likely to be bullied than not be bullied. If I'm someone that has a yeah. child that's being bullied and, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to handle it. And, you know, what, what, well, obviously I should probably look into getting into some kind of program or look at getting some kind of some help, right. Instead of me trying to figure it out on my own, yeah. let's say I'm not there yet, though. What, what advice would you give me? Like, what would you say? What What is something that I can maybe do? right now to try to help my kids uh,
1: so, so, so first of all first of all i believe that ma- the majority of people will go through bullying it it's it's a lot of schools say we're a bully free school it's just not true you can't be a bully free school we, i see it here in the ua and the uk all the time maybe you see it in the states too you know sign up mm-hmm. to us we're a bully free school it's impossible because bullying is just a part of the human condition an ugly part of the human condition it's it's when young people and even adults are trying to find so they're trying to navigate social dynamics, and it's, it's just classic behavioral psychology. It happens. It's impossible to avoid. And so if we know that it's impossible to avoid, and we know that it's got a, a huge impact on a person's life, actually both positive and negative, um, because you, your, you, your character transforms through bullying, right? It can either make or break your character. If we know that's the case, then it's our responsibility as parents to prepare for it. But the problem mm-hmm. is most parents come to us reacting to the bullying that's just happened. Rather than being proactive, they're reactive, and you know, unless you're unless you're a Jedi, Black Belt, Stoic monk, you know, you're not going to be super chilled when your child's going through bullying and, and have the have the ability to step back and and breathe through it. It's going to be a very emotional experience. And what do we know when we go through something super emotional? Well, we know that when we act in a very emotional way, logic goes down, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think there's even studies on it where when someone's slightly stressed, their IQ massively drops and so what i noticed is that we make bad decisions when we are reactive or emotional and so the the typical thing i find parents do is they storm into school they want to speak to the other parent and things just get worse and they amplify and so the best thing parents can do is prepare for bullying right it's like you're you know you you prepare your child to defend themselves physically by taking a martial arts class but what do you do from the psychological point of view and you know we've got a system in the in the the warrior academy they're not a victim system and there's, there's an audio book out there. If you, if you go onto Spotify or whatever, you know, you're audible, it's, it's free right now. It's um, not a victim, a book I, I, I wrote and recorded. And it guides people through a 6P process. And the first step of that, which is really important, is perception. And the first thing I would say to parents and to young students, and this might be black belt content, right, especially if you're in reactive mode. But that, that, that first step is perception, understanding why bullying occurs. And the fact that the bully is probably a victim in their own world going through something traumatic from someone else or at home and trying to find power in their own lives. And it's funny when we've, when we've taught this to young people and we tell it through a story because kids, you know, they, they learn so well through stories. And um, what I found is that when you when you really pass on a cement this lesson, they they actually replace that fear with courage. Right. And actually they, they replace that in that that intimidation factor with sympathy or with, with empathy, and they go into the bullying situation. They look at the bully and they're like, "Well, what's wrong? Why are you acting like that? You know, wh- you know, why are you so upset?" And I've had I've had nine or ten year olds go through our program and mentor their bully through bullying. And you know, we've had parents write letters to us just like, "This is incredible. I can't believe you you've managed to 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 give them that level of emotional intelligence in just step one." But there's other practical steps in this, right? So. Perception is the one of the first things that parents can can work on with their child and work on with themselves because as a parent you're reactive. That's a bad person. They've got bad parents. They're bullying because of this. You know, first of all, perception. And um, the next thing you've got to start looking at is, um, basically how we're perceived, right? So it's it's um it's our body language. Ninety nine percent of of uh, communication as a human being happens with non verbal communication. So it's how as, as your child walks into the classroom, right? Are they trying to hide themselves? Are they putting their head down, looking to go into the walls, avoid avoid being seen? So what I do with a child who's a victim of bullying is I get them, you know, one child in particular. I, I sat down in the living room with the mum and uh, I had the child walk in and out about 50 times. Right. And he went from walking in and I, uh, you know, I took on the role as the, as the bully. My name was Sam. I think that was the name of the bully at the time. And I had him walk in. I said, I'm Sam. And you're, uh, you know, you're, you are you. Walk into the room and show me how you would walk in if you saw Sam. And he walks into the room and he's this shy kid. You know, I was training in martial arts, and suddenly, when I took on this intimidating role of of the bully, he was this shy kid who walked off and you know found somewhere far away from me to sit in the classroom. I taught him to walk in with a big chest, shoulders back, and, and nod at me as he walks in uh, in a in a non-aggressive but just like mutual respect kind of kind of way, right? Trying to trying to develop this kind of alpha body language. And what was incredible was. 20 times into this 30 times into it after 50 times into it he's sitting right next to me and asking how my day is right the next day he goes into school after practicing this and he said the bully was so shocked (laughs) at his at the way he entered the room he didn't get bullied that day right and isn't that incredible just by working and martial arts we call it drills right if you've been in the military you know you do the same drill every day you're learning how to load the Mm -hmm. rifle in martial arts you're learning how to throw the jab learning how to keep your hands up until it becomes second nature. And we do that with kids with bullying with nonverbal communication. And so we, you know, I just taught him how to enter a room, but there were other traits I noticed like he would fidget or he would put his hands in his pockets. And so I taught his mum to use verbal cues to correct his body language in a non-invasive way. So she would say, I would say to her, you know, use the word pockets if his hands are in his pockets, right? You want him to start speaking with his hands. And mm-hmm. so that, that shows more confidence, right? And, um, you know, you imagine someone speaking on stage with their hands in their pockets. It doesn't, it doesn't show confidence. Um, right. you know, chin was another one. So his chin would be down, chin would be head up. And so these little verbal cues are something she could then use, you know, in public with him without him feeling like she's saying, remember to keep your chin up so you don't look like a victim and all this sort of stuff. Right. So that sort of stuff really helps. Uh, Role playing games are amazing technique. Um, and then obviously it's important to actually have an incident log. So If your child is going through bullying make sure you're writing down what actually happens. And uh, that's massively important because often, you know, what I find is that a child goes through bullying, they go home, it's their word against the other bullies. The bully tends to rally the other parents. you you then go in, speak to the headmaster or headmistress or whatever. And they're like, well, I've got six parents here saying your child's the bully. And mm-hmm. I've, I've had, I've had victims of bullying being disciplined because of the, because of that kind of culture. And so if you have a, a track record, it, it really, really helps. So there's lots of kind of practical tips on that, which which, which ultimately we go through with the, with the Not A Victim book. And when I wrote that book, it was, it was interesting because, you know, I had all this depth of knowledge of bullying, having gone through it for four years myself and worked with thousands of kids through it. And I was like, people are going to pick up this book for two reasons. Either they're being proactive and they want to learn about it to prevent it, or not to prevent it, but to help transition their kids through it. Or they're in reactive mode, right? And it was like, I'm, I'm building the, the vitamin and I'm building the paracetamol at the same time. And, um, and I realized that I needed to give parents a painkiller right in the mm. middle of the book. So when you have that book, you open it up, bang, right in the middle of the book, you've got follow these six steps to overcome bullying in the next two weeks. Right. And so, uh, you know, that, that's essentially what I wanted to do was to, you know, give a reserve parachute to parents who are really struggling with bullying, but also give them the bigger
0: picture so they can prevent
1: chronic bullying and And help transition their children through it at a faster rate when it does happen.
0: That's awesome, man. I think that's that's you definitely have to give because if I were to pick up the book right now that I'm talking to you, I I know we've talked to our daughters about you know kids at school and they're gonna say maybe say things and do things and you know that kind of stuff, but never never like in an in depth way, right? Like, I Mm. I I I mean I I know I was bullied like. Not, I mean, it was like a, I don't forgot what grade I was in, but I, it was a kid that was, I had to walk home from school with, he was an older kid. I think I was in like the third or fourth grade and he was like a seventh grader, but him, his mom, my mom were really good friends. It was like, okay, you're going to walk home with him. Uh, he'll make sure you get home safe. The kid was a complete jerk. <laughs> and so for that, that like six months where I had to walk home with him, he, he picked on me every single day, all the way home. Um, and then one day I had had enough and this is this is not the way to handle it. If you're listening, it, it works for me, but it was not the way to handle it. I just so happened to have baseball practice that day. Um, my dad was going to come pick me up. And so we're walking and I have my bat bag I have my bat in my bag. And uh, I don't know if they do this other places in the world It's gross, but there's a thing called gleeking where you do like a thing with your tongue and it kind of makes like a little spray of spit. don't yeah yeah it's like a it's a it's a gross little boy thing right but he he kept doing it to me all the way home like all the way home we finally get to like our block and the last time he did it, it was the last time for me and i just took my bat out of my bag and i just hit him and i just kept hitting him i didn't hit him in the face or anything but i beat his legs up like pretty bad um And that was the last time he messed with me. So I said that's not the best way to handle it, right? But I had dealt with it for Mm. so long in quiet, right? I didn't tell anybody about it because my mom was like, This is the only way you have to get home. Like, or you gotta walk by yourself. And so I didn't want to put any stress on her. So I didn't say anything. And I wasn't gonna tell my dad I was being picked on by some kid. I'm 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 a tough guy, right? I'm not gonna tell my dad I'm getting picked on. Yeah. And so 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 then I handled it on my own. Yeah.
1: But you handled it, right? Like, th- this, is, this is the thing. And so a parent can't handle the bullying for their child. Right. The child has to handle it. And so if we have this, there's this culture of kind of helicopter parents and overprotection, I think. We prevent ch- kids from ever experiencing failure, which is a whole topic that we could, we could talk about. Um, but ultimately, you know, I feel the role of a parent is empowerment, right? It's so important mm-hmm. that we teach our kids to handle things on their, on their own. And we've got to guide them on the right way to handle things. Obviously, if you do that, like if you, if you respond to a bully as a child like that, you're not going to get in that much trouble. You do what you did as an adult, you're in a lot right. of trouble. Do you know what I mean? And so, <laughs> right. um, you know, but, but I find that it's, it's typically, it's typically um, you know, the bully, the, the victim of the bully bullying goes through so much and they have to go through so much until they reach a point where the pain they're going through is the same as the courage it's going to take for them to overcome the bullying, right? and then they snap because for a lot of kids the pain isn't isn't bad enough for them to say Do you know what I've got nothing to lose so it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse until they snap and they build up the courage and they're like well either this is this is such a bad existence mm-hmm. you know, what's the worst that can happen i might as well lash out because it's not going to make my life any worse and it's funny because that's the moment when the bullying tends to to fizzle away to stop right and it's you know what's what what's fascinating to me is that it, it takes this element of courage. And I, I always find there's this make or break it moment with bullying. So when a young person goes through bullying, or when I, when I speak to an adult about bullying, I'm like, did you go through bullying? They, 80% of parents say yes. And then I say, mm-hmm. well, okay. And how did it stop? Was there a make or break it moment where you had to show the level of courage to overcome it? And they said yes. And I'm like, well, isn't that the same as everything in life, right? When you have to overcome something difficult yourself, you've got to show the element of courage that it's got to match the pain. The courage has to match the pain. And um, yeah, it's 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 just fascinating to me because everything you say with, about your experience isn't unique, right? It's it's like everyone everyone has the same story of different intensities having gone yeah. through bullying and then reached this breaking point. And then you know what happens? What's, what all often happens is they actually become the bullies themselves, right? Something like seventy eighty percent of kids who go through bullying then become a bully because they mm-hmm. for a long time their ego has been hit for a long time. They've been, you know, they've been belittled. They've been, you know, they've, they've, they've had a bruised ego. And so they've realized once they have that make or break a moment, they can overcome it by being dominant. And so it feels so good to heal the ego that they then continue this identity of someone who can then do that, right? And mm-hmm. so it's, you know, it's this and the cycle of bullying continues if we don't mentor kids in the right way, right? It's like if we don't mentor them to, understand the perception piece which is why i put that p as the very first step that bullying continues because they then become a bully so if you want to break the cycle of bullying you've actually got to get into the victim's mind and say look this is what's going to happen you're going to overcome it at one point and when you do a part of you is going to want to be the bully because you want you want to feel that power and have more control into your life and so you know i, I don't know if you experienced that did you ever become a bully afterwards you may not have but i know a lot of uh, no. for a lot of young people that is a reality
0: not that I know, I, I, don't, I don't remember. And like, I, I don't think I was a bully to anybody. I think I'm a pretty good guy. I was, I think I was a pretty good guy anyway. But I mean, I could be the villain in somebody's story yeah. somewhere, I guess, you know.
1: But th- that's, that's, that's the point of fatherhood, I think. When you, when you, you know, you, you say to your, you say to your son or your daughter, look, you're likely to go through this. This is a reality, but I'm mm-hmm. going to be there and help you through it. And then I'm going to help you process it. Right. So that you learn from it it doesn't happen again and you become a good person not in spite of but you know because of and one of the cool Mm -hmm. things about not a victim the book was was you know we interviewed something like 10 to 15 super successful people you know we're talking multi-millionaire business owners um, we're talking super high level sports people incredible individuals who have inspiring stories and huge accolades and you know very very ambitious very successful and they all attest the success they've, they've had as an adult to the bullying they went through as a child. And, you know, when I speak to a parent, this, this is then the, uh, the black belt content, right? I'm like, okay, first thing, first, well, I used to give workshops for, for, for anti-bullying and, I, and I, re- I realized that I needed to go in with a different approach because, you know, I'd, I'd sort of stand up and I'd say, well, bullying isn't necessarily bad for your child. <laughs> and of course, no, <laughs> no one wants to hear that. It's like, right. okay, dial it back a little bit. Um, but the reality is bullying isn't necessarily bad for your child because it's got this ability to transform their character because they realize mm-hmm. just how resilient they can be. They learn to overcome adversity, and it's the ultimate test of empowerment, right? Can your child go out there, have this huge, you know, big boss moment where they're on the final level, overcome it on their own, and then use those lessons to transform their life, have more courage, have more confidence. And because ultimately, if they don't do that, they, they go one or two ways. Makes their character, or it breaks their character. Um, But it's it's fascinating to me just how powerful bullying can be as an indicator of future success for a young person. Um, It's for a lot of people, it's the most traumatic thing they experience in their lives because you're young, right? When you're older, you've got more mental strength. You can you can deal with stuff. If someone someone you know physically assaults you as an adult, or you know picks on you or whatever it is, you by the time you're in your 30s, you've gone through so much stuff already. You know, you can kind of brush it off to a degree, but as a young person, a seven, eight year old being bullied on the way to school, having, you know, as a teenage girl, having, you know, your, your, the way you look, the way, you know, the way you sound, your weight, your, the way you dress, all this sort of stuff torn apart by your peers is so traumatic. You know, this is why it's one of the, one of the subjects that I'm passionate about because it's, it's, it's mentored in the wrong way um, by so many people. Um, which is why it's such an important thing to to discuss, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm not not to be make light of this, but I'm being bullied right now. There's a fly in here. I don't know if you could see it. Like it just keeps flying back. <laughs> like it's just picking <laughs> on you know me what? right now. You, like... got,
1: you've got, you, you haven't even flinched. I've yeah. I've seen the fly, but you haven't even yeah. flinched. You know, you got this. Look. This is the mental resilience that you need as a dad, right? You're just like laser focused. <laughs>
0: right look i keep thinking like you're just
1: not even moving
0: yeah just just (laughs) let it go it's it's it's, it's, you know as long as i move my hands a little bit it'll stay out of the way but it is constantly just zipping back and forth and it's loud too it's not like a little quiet fly like he's he's being obnoxious like he's (laughs) um yeah he's really
1: he's picking the the mic now
0: yeah now now he knows i'm talking about him so now he's trying to show out um (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so, so bullying. Like, again, I'm sorry for for making light after after such a, a more serious serious thing we're talking about. But um, that that work that you're doing with bullying is is huge, um, especially with the the growth of social media. Um, I think the benefit that I had, or maybe you had, or, or people of our generation had, is that we could go home and leave the bully outside or we could leave school yeah. and leave the bully at school. Like we had an escape route, like we could get yeah. away from it. Um. But kids now they there's no way out. Like they're they're they bring their phone home and everyone at school is on their phone and every there's so many access points to them that if we aren't proactive. Yeah. If we aren't proactive really in helping them. them.
1: The other thing about cyberbullying, which is really interesting, which I was thinking about recently. I, I, I recently did a um, what, I, what I call a deep dive podcast on cyberbullying on the Warrior Academy podcast. I, I do these a, a couple of times a week. And I did one on cyberbullying. And one of the things I spoke about was how if you look at normal, traditional bullying, right, you could argue that the bully is a coward because they only typically pick on people who are weaker than them. Mm-hmm. And they would do that in person. Like you, you and I, when we look back at the bullying we went through as kids, it was traditional bullying, you know, it wasn't done on Instagram, right? So it was done face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And so the bully had to feel like they were overpowering you, they were stronger than you. And so there's a level of cowardice within that. But if you look at bullying nowadays with cyberbullying, they, you know, the, the reality is there's, there's, there's never going to be a time where they have to be face-to-face because they can be completely anonymous with an alias, right? They can, mm-hmm. they can hide behind a computer screen, put up a fake account, share things post things and you will never know who they are and so a they're impossible to track down and b they never they never need to feel kind of that level of intimidation from you or worry that you might react because you can't react and Mm so you're just kind of stuck a you can't run or hide and b you can't react you can't find them you can't react you can't prevent it um and so you know it's, it's funny because you know, we're both, we're both here making content on social media and, and bullying continues, right? I'm sure you've had trolls in the past. I've had trolls in the past. Even, even though I talk about such wholesome stuff, you know, in the Warrior Academy, we're talking about helping kids <laughs> through bullying and developing their character, developing confidence. You wouldn't believe some of the comments we get from people. And, and, you know, I look at it, I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's, you would never say it to me, right? They would never, they would never say that sort of stuff to, to me in person, but behind an alias, it's like, no problem. Well, they can, they can easily do it, easily post something. Yeah. And the reality is you just got to be okay with the fact that, you know, people are going to do that online. That's the reality. There are practical steps you can take as a parent to protect your child from cyberbullying, restriction of certain apps. Um, I would say only letting them use, use screens at a certain time during the day so that you can monitor them before and afterwards. Because a lot of the time with bullying is they won't tell you they're going through bullying, right? There's an element of mm-hmm. shame or guilt, especially like, like your experience. You didn't want to tell your dad you're going through bullying. Right? You don't want to tell your father right. you're going through bullying because he'll be like, in your mind, you're thinking, I've got to be this, this strong young man. I don't want to show a weakness. And so right. the reality there is a lot, of, a lot of young boys in particular don't share the fact they're going through bullying. Um, and so, you know, this, this kind of issue then spirals and gets worse and worse and worse until they snap. Um, but if you look at cyberbullying, I, I think that we can, we can watch our kids they're on, they're on the iPad or they're on the, on the computer, whatever, they on their phone for an hour between 5 p.m. and 6 p.m., right? What's their mood like afterwards? Are they in a better mood or a worse mood? Little things yeah. like this, just monitoring them, is, is a, looking for the subtle signs of bullying. If they go on their iPad or they're on their, you know, whatever it is, phone or whatever, for a solid hour and you notice their mood shift and they're now, they're now you know, they're maybe negative self-talk or they're, they're, you know, they're a bit quiet or a bit shy or maybe in a really bad mood. That could be an indicator that they're going through bullying, right? Um, But I think the reality is we've got to you've got to prepare young people for the reality that cyberbullying is something that they will have to experience the rest of their life into adulthood. And I think that it's you know we can't prevent that, just like normal bullying. In fact, it's probably worse. Um, But I think what's what's important is that we teach them that the perception phase, why this occurs, right? The mm. fact that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter what the other person thinks. It's about having that strength of character yourself, you know, to, to, to kind of block them out and focus on being your true, authentic self without worrying too much. Easier said than done, right? Even adults struggle with that. Um, but it's, it's a lifelong pursuit of, of, um, of strengthening your character and building resilience, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely, and uh, I I feel like I share some some decent like content as well. And you'd be surprised the the DMs are like, even in the comment section. Like I don't I read the comments so I could reply back to people because there's always questions and things that I think you know to clarify or whatever. And so I'm in the comment section, and and my wife though she reads them and she reads them like and takes offense, (laughs) like like she has to defend me. I'm like, yo, just. (laughs) Just don't even look at it. Like it, they don't. Even, first of all, they don't know me at all, right? Whoever that is, I don't know yeah. who that person is. They don't know who I am. They if they can't talk to me directly, then their opinion of me doesn't necessarily matter. So whatever. She's like, yeah. no, these people are crazy, and I'm like, maybe I don't know, but that's not that's not for me to judge. You know, that it, it, it is what it is. Uh, they got a little bit more free time on their hands than I do.
1: I think I think the reality is you got to. I mean, it's. I think the challenging thing is as your audience grows can you withstand negative negativity which will undoubtedly grow right mm-hmm. in order to help those that maybe to even respond to you because you know you're helping them right and it's like you're 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 putting yourself out there to try and generate content to create you know ideas thoughts to share your opinion and best practice to help people but as a right. byproduct you're going to get people trolling you you know cyberbullying all this sort of stuff right it's it's you, you know people people want all the success without the reality that comes with it yeah they want they 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 want it's like i want to have a million followers but i don't want to have any trolls like that if you want that you get this right it's like if this then that there's a, there's a yin and yang with everything i think you know there's a balance and so you just got to truly accept that i think um but it's but yeah it's it's difficult i think i think um it's a lot worse if they knew you right so if they if they if they, if they knew you and they were <laughs> They were writing comments on it. You'd be like, "Oh God!"
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh man! Nice, but, uh... I, yeah, I might actually be a bad person if people I know are talking bad about me. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, it suddenly becomes really real.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, so we we talked we've talked a lot about like the work that you're doing with with other people's children, and 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 that's phenomenal mm-hmm. work, but. But um, you're a dad yourself, right? You have, you have two children. And uh, so w- tell us a little bit about that experience, right? Because you've got two younger ones. Um, how, is, how is that going? Yeah, do you know
1: what? It's, it's such a privilege to have kids. You know, and, I, and I've got lots of friends who, who struggle to have kids. And, and, you know, all they want in their lives is to experience parenthood. And so I feel very blessed to be in a position where I can. Um, I've got an amazing wife who's just an amazing mom uh you know you know we're a very traditional relationship in that sense and you know i I, i'm in a unique position now where in my 20s all of my focus and energy and effort was on other people's kids and now in my 30s i'm able to kind of bring that in and focus a lot on my own kids and um you know they're three and six and i figure that when they get to 10 years old they want to be on their own more they don't want to spend time with their dad or their mum quite as much right and so it's you know, it's these these years are really important, and so I, I do a lot of my work from home. I spend a lot of time with them. I travel a lot with with the family, and and um, you know, I, I've, it's it's at this age where I'm the most important person in their life. And when they get to the teenagers, it's like they want to hang out with that friend more than me, and all this sort of stuff. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I very much honor that as a as a as a dad. And you know, if they were to walk in right now, it'd be a case of I just kind of pause the podcast and and speak to them. Right? I've, I've always said. You know, it, it's, it's got to be, I, I don't want them to ever come to me and be, and be like, he, he found something else more important than us. Do you know what I mean? Even if I'm in, yeah. you know, I'm on the radio or something like that, I would just kind of make a joke about it because the reality is they don't forget things like that, right? Um, right. But, but ultimately, when I look back, um, I look back to my 20s, my, my first daughter, and, and I kind of I briefly mentioned it um, earlier. I, I was an extreme sports athlete. Um, and so I've got over 500 base jumps and and skydives around the world. And I was in an extreme sports group, uh, with about, there's about 15 to 20 of us. And we were wingsuit base jumping around the world. Um, and it's one of the most dangerous sports on the planet, if not the most dangerous sport, right? And, um, so I was really pushing human flight and trying to see how far we could push our bodies and jumping off some of the most incredible cliffs in the Alps and the Dolomites and, you know, in America as well. And um, I found myself pushing this sport further and further and further until I was in Switzerland and I had, a, had an accident. It was my seventh jump of the day. And my, my, my canopy collapsed, essentially, and I dropped. And I broke everything in my body, uh, you know, from the waist down, both legs, both feet, both ankles. Uh, the surgeon said I'd never walk again. I was 24. I met my wife, I think, about four weeks before the accident. So when she met me, I was a professional fighter doing Thai boxing best shape of my life, and an extreme sports athlete who was jumping out of planes and off cliffs every weekend, right? And four weeks later, I, I was basically permanently disabled, was told I could never walk again. Mm. And that was um, in, in July uh, 2014. And um, it was amazing because that forced me to, to spend more time at home with her. And so we developed this incredible relationship. And, and I remember initially, you know, saying to her, look, I, 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 I don't want to see you. Because I, don't want, I don't want, didn't want our relationship to be where she was kind of saving me. Do you know what I mean? From, mm-hmm. from what I was going through. Um, but I, when you look at martial arts, I used Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is kind of low impact, a lot of floor work to kind of do her rehabilitation. And over the course of two years, I learned how to walk again. And it, it, was, it was incredibly painful, uh, mentally, physically, everything. You know, during, that, during that phase, I, I lost 15 close friends you know, in the sport. Wow. So while I was lying at home on a bed and I couldn't move, I'd lost 15 friends. And so I had to go. I had to go through all of this at the age of 24. But what was fascinating was, as soon as I was fixed, I wanted to jump again. Right? I, I could just about limp, and I, and I was. I was doing. A, I was ready to do a jump in, in uh, Sweden. And um, you know, when I, when I was about to do the jump, the winds picked up. There was snow everywhere. We climbed back down. It was it was too risky. And I think mm-hmm. if I didn't, if I if I had done that jump, you know, it was it was potentially fatal. But pretty much a month after that. On the exact same date, in the you know that I had an accident, exactly three years later, in the same hospital I had the surgery, my daughter was born. My first wow. daughter was born, right, and and it, it like it was it was crazy. It was midnight. Um, she was born at exactly midnight on the same date as this as this accident, and you know as as I held this tiny living thing in my arms, I realised. That my life didn't belong to me anymore; it belonged to my kids, and if I carried on the life I was doing as a young guy in his twenties pushing extreme sports, it 's likely she grew up without a father and so what i what I did is I said, you know I, I wanted to to dedicate my life to working with young people and um, which started with my own child right with, with empowering my own child. I, I realized that the resilience i developed to get me through that that trauma of the last few years stems from the character development I had as a young person. And so what I realized was I couldn't always be there for my kids, but I wanted to, mm. to give them the tools and the skills to to have that level of empowerment so they could face life's obstacles on their own, like I did. But I didn't just want to do that for my child. I wanted to do that for thousands of kids around the world, which is how the Warrior Academy grew. And, um, but it was, it, you know, in a lot of ways, my daughter kind of saved my life, right? Because, yeah. you know, if I didn't have her, I would have carried on jumping. And if i carried on jumping, with the statistics that you see with wingsuit base jumping, like it was inevitable what would have happened in my life. And so, you know, it it was, I think that for a lot of dads and mums, but for a lot of dads, I'm a dad, I can only speak from my perspective. Having kids gives you this laser focus on what really matters in life. Having kids forces you to become more responsible, more dependable. And if you're a good dad, it massively enhances and and grows your character. For the first time in your life, arguably for a lot of dads, they don't think selfishly. You've now got to think unselfishly, right? Like my wants and needs come secondary to my family. It's like my whole purpose is to serve my family and then the community and then myself in a lot of ways, right? Like, of course you, okay. can't, you can't serve you know, from an empty cup. You've got to have the basics of you know good health, good sleep, happiness, all this sort of stuff but ultimately it's 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 about looking after my family and that's that's what i think fatherhood is maybe i'm old school with that and but certainly that's that's how i feel
0: yeah man uh, you know what i think a lot of guys would agree and maybe not as extreme right maybe not like you know jumping off a cliff and all that but but i but i think and i i know i felt that way um, when I found out I was going to be a father, I immediately felt like I had, my life had purpose because up to that point I was pursuing just career, right? I was just doing whatever I, I thought was right to grow myself in my career. Um, yeah. but then when I, when I heard those words, you're going to be a dad, like I was, this is it. Like, this is what I'm here for. I figured yeah. it out. Like there was no question in my mind. Um, but, but I think a lot of guys would agree that, that having a child saved their life right because if they were to continue yeah. to carry on and like i said maybe not as extreme they're not jumping off a of cliffs but they're just doing stuff right guys are just we're just guy we're dying yeah, yeah. we're out there doing dude stuff right we're partying or drinking or whatever or we're you know we're, we're driving too fast or we're just you know we're ready to fight people unnecessarily um but then when we have a kid, it, it all shifts, right? It puts you, it puts life yeah. in a perspective. And like you said, your priorities the all, the are shifted. Responsibility. Yeah.
1: Do, do, you know, do you know what's interesting? When I, when I have um, the antidote to poor conduct or or bad behavior is responsibility. And, you know, we have we have kids coming into our class who are, they go to school and they're told they're badly behaved, they're naughty, all this sort of stuff. If you've got nine or 10 year old kids. Sometimes they've got ADHD. And so it's not even their fault. They just, They're just acting out because... You know, they've got all this energy and that, that, behavior is reinforced. They go to school and their identity is you're a badly behaved kid. You're naughty. Mm. We've got parents coming to us saying, my kid's naughty. Can you improve that behavior? And I'm like, first things first, let's change the language because they will grow into whatever we talk, you know, the way we speak about a child, they grow into that. But, um, but what the first thing I typically do when I'm, when I've got a class and there's a child who's got, let's say destructive behavior is I give them responsibility. Right, I make I give them a little role within the class, and that that could be the first time they've ever been given responsibility. So when you talk about um, when you talk about uh, young men who you know, typically young men, there's a saying, it's like a Danish. I'm I'm half Danish, so this the Danish saying is they, uh, you know, have, have you run the horns off the bull yet? Right, it's like young men have this like fire inside them, this testosterone inside them, where they need to go and do stuff, right? And they need to explore, and often that that behavior that energy can be kind of destructive both for their own lives or people around them. And Mm -hmm. so it's funny because when you, when you give a young man, who's gone through that, a child, it's like, this is now the ultimate responsibility. And so the either, you know, true manning up is like manning up and taking responsibility of looking after a living thing. And for me, it's like, you know, now you have to evolve as a person, as a man, to take on this responsibility and, and it truly, you know, evolves your character. You know, and I and I look at a lot of people say, you know, well, you know, we, if you have a business and you have kids, it's going to slow down your business growth. Did the complete opposite for me. As soon as I had kids, our business grew by like ten times. It was it was ridiculous how fast we grew because I just had laser focus. You know, it it, it gives you that kind of moonshot, a bit like the black belt, right? It gives you that moonshot to to have the discipline to to really evolve as a person. So, yeah, I, you know, responsibility the the, the antidote to uh, to poor conduct, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it definitely, it definitely worked for me. Like I wasn't doing anything bad, but I just, I died laser focused on, okay, this is my family and I have to make sure that they're all taken care of. Like I, I can't be on the other side of the country for work. Like I need to figure out how I can transition my work and my business to being home and being present. I was going to ask you about that. with with a with as many things as you're doing, as many as many different programs as you have, and you're you're speaking, you're traveling, and I'm assuming maybe the family travels with you. But but if that's not the case, and I guess you can explain that here too, um, with all of that you're, that you're doing, how are you still able find to find ways to be? present and involved and engaged and to be the father that you want because a lot of guys that I talk to that's one of their biggest struggles is you know I got to go out and provide and I have to go work or I have to go do you know these things outside the house to take care of the house so my head is telling me that I have to provide but my heart is telling me I need to be present what the heck do I do yeah
1: Um, so the first thing I I I think that as a dad you need to have exceptional time management I think that you know, gone are the days where you can just have a lie in and, and be relaxed and chilled all the time and not worry about your schedule. If you want to be a good dad and you want to be successful in business or your work, you need to have exceptional time management. So, you know, I, I have a, I have a strict calendar. If it's in the calendar, it's getting done. Um, you know, I've I've got an amazing uh, executive assistant called Sarah, who, who manages my calendar and um, getting a, getting a great EA as a business owner is a game changer because, they kind of act as a gatekeeper. So before, I would have a million messages popping up on my phone. I had three or four email addresses. I'd probably have 100 emails a day. Now, I don't do emails anymore. Like, I just refuse to do emails. Um, I do WhatsApp voice messages. The majority of my communication with the business is through uh, my assistant, Sarah, who then kind of navigates all the different people who want to speak to me and prioritizes stuff for me. But that's, you know, I've, I've got to a point where I can do that, you know, where I can now, mm-hmm. you know, employ an amazing EA, which... And um, for me, it was a big jump, but it, that was a game changer at this end. But the other things that I do are, you know, it, it's I think that as a dad, you need to be present. And for me to be present, I need to do things like train hard. If I train hard during the day, I'm more present when, the, when I'm around the kids. Right. And so I, I you know, I, I get up early. I train super hard. I think I train about three hours a day minimum at the moment. Um, and for me, it's it's. It, it creates that kind of space in my mind where now I'm able to to look after the kids when they're home, you know, spend time with them, um, and I think that having having non negotiable kind of slots in your calendar really helps. Uh, that might sound strange, right? Like like if my kids really need me, I'll just drop everything. But the the idea of non negotiable slots in your in your calendar is you put it in and you're saying to yourself, even if I've got a busy day, that's the that's a predetermined slot where I'm going to spend time with my kids, and. Um, my dad was in the, in the Marines in the Paris when I was younger, right? So he would, go, he would go on exercise, you know, you'd go to war, go on tours for six months at a time. We wouldn't, we wouldn't see him. Um, but one thing I learned from that was when he was home, he was very present. And the reality there is it was less about quantity and more about quality. Mm. So the first thing I would say to a, a busy dad who's out there smashing it and trying to grow his business or his career is don't feel guilt or shame about being there all the time. There is a nurturing element to parenting where one of you needs to be there to nurture and look after the kids on a day-to-day basis, right? And there's that nurturing energy, but there's also typically, you know, someone in the family who's out there and, you know, pushing the career side or pushing the the finance side to try, try and provide for the family, which is so important. And that person often feels guilt or shame about not being home. But what I would say is, you know, whenever I look back at, at my dad, who, who was away for long periods of time, I never think, God, he was never, he was never there. He wasn't a good dad. I, I think what an amazing dad he was because, you know, he taught me the power of being present. And your kids will remember 20 minutes of undivided attention, more than six hours of you at home on your phone or on Netflix, right, where you're just around them. Right. So focus on quality over quantity. That, for me, is vital. The other thing I'd say is when this, this element of guilt or shame, um, you know if you're career driven or business driven or whatever is what a brilliant lesson it is for your kids to see you out there trying to serve the world community make make everything a better place or even serving the family by pursuing something that you care deeply about right like like i'd I like to think my kids would see me working hard on on building the warrior academy so that you know they, they think when they're older he really cared about empowering young people he really cared about character development he went out there and and took big risks to help so many children around the world especially in developing countries you know change their lives and I, th- I think what an amazing lesson to pass on to kids and you know when we were talking about how kids kids learn through and um, so they copy what you do right it's less about what you talk about and more about how you act mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of there's a lot to be said about that if you're out there pursuing something meaningful that serves mankind and you're exploring your full potential to serve mankind, that is a hell of a lesson to pass on to your kids, right? They're going to, they're going to grow up watching that. And what, a, what an amazing character trait to pass on. So that, that's, those, those are my kind of initial thoughts around that.
0: Yeah. I, the calendar and scheduling was a game changer for me. Um, just it, even to, even now, like I have a pretty good grasp on my, my day and my life, but like if, if things aren't put on my calendar, I'm going to forget them. Right. Like it's just, yeah. it just is what it is. Like I have to be honest with myself. My <laughs> wife says I have ADD or ADHD and and, and maybe I do, I'm sure I'm touched or whatever. But like, if I have a free space where I'm just like, don't have something, a hundred different things can happen during that time. Like I could be doing yeah. anything and none of it gets done to completion, but I'll do like several different things all at that time. Right. So yeah. having things on my calendar, you know, There's this like feeling of, oh, it's, you know, it's scheduled and that's weird, but no, it's not because, because I schedule time with my family or because I schedule time with my wife, with my kids, that time doesn't get touched by anything else because everything has its time. Everything has its slot. Everything goes where it's supposed to go. So when it's their time, nobody else gets that time, right? Like it's, it's untouched by every other thing because I know that I've, I was able to give a hundred percent to, to work today because work had its slot right so now when it's kid time i'm not thinking about work anymore work is done like i this is kid time just me and you guys we're gonna do whatever yeah
1: i often say you know to my wife you know it's like if if i'm if i don't have this focus on training or i don't have this focus on work and this separate focus on kids it's like i'll just kind of um i I won't be able to do it to my full ability like i'll be Mm -hmm. half a dad because i'm in there thinking about work or i'm I'm, you know, I'm half a business owner because I'm thinking about the kids. So I've got to be, I've got to be fully into something. And that's what those, those um calendar blocks do. It's interesting because when, when we were talking about this, you know, one of the things that comes to mind is, is teamwork. I think if you're, if you are, you know, if you've got an amazing partner, that is a game changer. Like t- if you mm-hmm. want to be a better dad, have an amazing partner. Um, yes, I think it's sir. it's one of the most important, who you choose to be with is one of the most important decisions you make as a, as a dad. Right. And um one of the, One of the stories I have is, I'm I'm obviously very future focused. You know, a lot of the stuff I do, I'm I'm doing things which, you know, ten years I'm going to see the benefit in ten years time, or I'm thinking about next year and we could do this, we could do that, and you need that energy to grow something. And Mm. my wife's very present moment focused, right? She's thinking about right now, the present moment, and it was funny because we we were in Thailand. It's a little little story which kind of sums it up quite well. We were in Thailand um, a, a couple of years ago, and we went down to a beach and it was wet season. And we had been there before a couple of years back. And I was trying to find a restaurant that we once went to, but all of the restaurants were closed during wet season along this beach. So, you know, what I said is, look, we've got, we've got the kids there. I'm going to, I'm going to race on ahead. And I'm going to try and find the restaurant that we went to and see if anything's open here. Cause the kids are hungry. I'm hungry. We're all hungry, right? Walking down this beach. So off I go down this, down this beach. And I'm on this one hour hike to try and find a restaurant. I'm an hour ahead of them. I then cut back into town and I try and find them again. It takes me an hour and a half to get back to them. And I'm like, Oh, I get to her and I'm like, "It's a complete failure. You know, I can't find anything open. I know you're all hungry. I'm hungry. Just like absolute disaster. And she held my hand and she looked at me and she said, she said, look at the kids. And they're just there digging in the sand playing. And I, and I, and I said, said, she said to me, this is, this is the reason we're here. Right. It's not to not to find something to find food or to go and eat. It's it's to, just to be present in the moment and enjoy what we're doing. And it was a, it was an incredible moment there of just kind of eye opening realization where you know you have a good partner and they bring you from being future focused straight into the moment. And I think that's that's like my wife does with me a lot, and it and it certainly helps me benefit from enjoying what I'm doing in that moment with the kids because that's one of the hard things. I think a lot of people who are career or business focused have right It's like how can they really focus on the kids when their mind is worrying about this or thinking about that, and so having a having an amazing partner who brings you to the present game changer
0: you know yeah, 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 I agree, man. I agree that 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 partner because <clears throat> I think i'm a I'm decent right, but she makes me better, you know she she forced just yeah. like my kids just like having my kids force me to be a better man my wife forces me to be a better man. And and not only does she force me to, because she has a certain standard that she lives at and that I like, I got, I can't be less than her standard. But then also yeah. like, she, she's supportive. She's encouraging. She, she also pushes me. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's so many different things about it where I could probably just coast and do my thing and be cool. And then she'll be like, you know what? Why don't you try that? Like, why didn't you yeah. do that? Like you, you've been talking <laughs> about it. it Go way. do it. Yeah. I love that.
1: That's a that's a that's a healthy relationship, right? I think that I think you get in life what you tolerate. Whether it's you know, if you we've all got tolerance levels. So if you um if you tolerate being overweight and you're okay with that, you'll be overweight. If your tolerance level is like I need to be less than fifteen percent body fat, and that's like your level. Anything anything more than that, you're not happy. That becomes your tolerance level. If um if your tolerance level with work is this or whatever it is, right, you need to push yourself a certain way. But it's the same with relationships. So one of the things that i think our, our relationship is great for and it sounds like yours as well is um and for a lot of healthy relationships i've seen is it's two people who have their own standards of what they want out of a relationship and they don't tolerate bad behavior in a certain way it's like this is what i want out of a relationship so i'm going into that thinking you know this is who my ideal partner is and they make that decision before they then commit long term especially with kids or or marriage whatever it is right Mm-hmm. and so then it then it's a case of kind of in a in a very supportive way holding your partner accountable to that you know that that kind of image that you have both got for for what each other do in the roles and i think that's brilliant you know sometimes i've you know i've, I've had my confidence knocked to whatever and and my wife's been like well you know you can you can do this you know and this is that's that kind of nurturing and supportive feminine energy which i think It makes you, it makes you step up as a guy. It gives you that kind of push to be more masculine and to go out and do more. Right. And so if, if you don't have that, it's like, are you, are you ever going to reach your full potential? Because we, you know, I think we, as we, as men really feed off that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to want to go and serve that and to, and to, and to work with a partner on that. And so for me, that's, you know, it's, it's a, it's all about tolerance levels for me with with most things in life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was uh I was reading The uh the Perfect Day by Craig Ballantyne. He talks about like having rules, right? Having rules in your life or roles and rules. And he's like, uh, if you're a vegetarian and you go to a party and they offer you meat, you don't eat meat, right? Because you're a vegetarian. Like, so I'm just not going to eat. Right. But but yeah. we sometimes we don't have these rules for ourselves. So we'll go places or do things that maybe don't line up with what we really want. But we just do them just because, you know, we're just kind of going by the seat of our pants or whatever. And so my wife, for me, she makes sure like I have role, I have rules for myself, but she's like, she helps me stay on those. Right. Because I'm, I, yeah. I'll yeah let it go. Like, ah, I don't really want to do that today. You know, I'm, I'm real cool about that. Like I, I'd rather chill. Today. Yeah. I'll just chill. Um, but she, she, and then knowing that she's there, right. is like that extra layer for me. Right. It's like, yeah. If I don't, right? If I do say I'm not going to do it, and I myself, and I'm like, but well, she's gonna, she come home and she gonna be like, oh, you, I thought you said you were gonna do <laughs>
1: <laughs> the ultimate accountability, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. And my kids, and my kids are partner. like that now.
1: Oh, really say it again. Brilliant. Yeah. It, well, any any good, any good partnership, there's amazing accountability, right? You hold yourselves to a certain standard, but but I love that. I think that I think that this is missing in society at the moment. You know, people say they're going to do something and they don't do it. And then, yeah. you know, they say they're going to meet up. They'll, they'll meet you at a restaurant at a certain time and then they bail last minute. People are so easy and quick to, to flake or to cancel plans or, you know, all or, or, or their own promises. And so what mm-hmm. I find is that if you are an individual who says you're going to do something and then you don't do it, ultimately what you're saying is that you're not trustworthy, right? You're mm-hmm. saying to yourself that the things I promised myself I'll do, I won't necessarily do. And subconsciously, we're always being trained by an inner voice, right? And subconsciously, it's like, well, okay, and um, if you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, then nothing you really say matters, and so you start to lose confidence. It impacts your self-esteem, and so I've, I'm like really neurotic on this. If I say I'm going to do something, even if circumstances change a lot, I'll be like, I'm doing it, you know. And it's yeah. and it could be, you know, it could be frustrating with people around me, but for me, it's. It's holding integrity to my word. And, you know, this is an old school. I, I see it as like an old school masculine trait to, to do that, right? We used to, we, you know, your word used to mean something. And I, and I think that, yeah. it, that it should. I think that, you know, your word and a handshake used to mean something. Now you need a contract for everything. And if you don't have a contract, yeah. guess what? Someone might, you know, someone might take advantage of you. And, um, you know, I've, I've, got, I've got a small group of very close friends who I would do anything for. And, you know, it's for me, it's it's it, that that strength of that relationship happens because I never commit to something unless I say I'm going to, you know, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And that's it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's such an important quality for fathers and, you know, for, for men in general. Right. And, and for women, of course. But, you know, if we're talking about fathers and, and, and being a man, then I would say if you say you're going to do something to yourself do it your kids will watch and they will have the same character traits
0: just like you're you're doing with your kids right rod right right it's integrity right like and and not only integrity like but but also some stick to it It is not a word stick to itiveness right so staying true to what you said you would do even after the feeling that you said it in passes right like the the, yes you just have to stick to it like your your emotions
1: have nothing to do with it you, yeah. Like your your emotions, have nothing to do with it. And, and I think I think that's a, that's a reality for a lot of stuff that dads do, right? It's like, well, you know, you, just just because your emotions on the day change, you're still doing it, right? You're doing. You wake up and you're, oh, I don't want to go to the gym today. Well, guess what? You're doing it anyway, right? Because mm-hmm. you said you're going to do it. You go to the gym, you know. And, and that and that's that's strength of character. And um, and that's what a lot of a lot of people are missing these days for sure. And it's it's something that martial arts taught me. I, I think you know when I look back. Um, you know, it's, it's doing things regardless of how you feel because you know, they're the right thing to do. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's necessary. It's definitely necessary. So we've, we've talked about a whole lot of things, right? We talked about bullying and character development and fatherhood and and all kinds of stuff, but, uh, it's obviously a fatherhood podcast. And so, um, it's important that I ask. And I seem to get a little bit of a different answer kind of every time I ask this. And I think it's because fatherhood is just such a big thing, right? There's so many things that kind of fall yeah. under that umbrella, but I'm curious to know what, does what uh what does fatherhood mean to you? What does fatherhood mean to me? Mm-hmm. Fatherhood to me
1: is this balance of empowerment and protection, right? It's, I, I, my job as a father is to protect my family and protect my wife, protect my kids and protect myself, which is interesting, right? If you look at the, the earlier conversations we had about, about my early twenties, right? So protecting myself so that I can be a father, but it's also about empowering my kids to live without me. And if you look at, if you look at my relationship, my wife, right, she's very nurturing um, very traditional uh, feminine energy. I'm, I'm the opposite. Uh, you know, more of a masculine energy, Uh, when it comes to teaching them to swim, I think my kids would have worn their armbands for the rest of their life. I think they would be, you know, they'd be be 40 (laughs) years old with their own kids wearing armbands. Um, You know, whereas I'm like, right, cool. Take the armbands off, chuck you in the deep end. Can you swim? Yes, you can swim. Only a couple of meters. Cool, we'll build on that, right? And for her, that's completely terrifying. (laughs) But I think that's that's that for me is that fatherhood energy. Um, It's about obviously being nurturing, you know, especially with modern dads, it's very much a nurturing energy as well. But it's having the kind of the ability to empower your kids to face things without you. Right. So mm. I'm I'm constantly thinking, you know, like like what what can I do to make sure my kids can live without me? And I know that sounds really strange because you don't you don't really want that to happen. But the majority of the the issues they face in their life are going to be without you. You know, the 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 difficult um you know, traumatic experiences that they go through in the moment will be without you because as a parent, you're not always there holding their hand, right? And so for me, it's this balance. Fatherhood is this balance between protection and empowerment.
0: See, that that's the first time I've heard someone say empowerment, but it totally makes sense, right? Because that is... That is yeah. what we are, that is what we're doing, hopefully, right, is what we are doing for our children is we're empowering them to, because eventually, regardless of what we want, they're eventually going to meet the world on their own. They're going to be outside yeah. of our house. They're going to be adults. Like we, I say all the time, we're not raising kids, we're raising adults. And so if we aren't empowering yeah. them um, to to go out into that world, then maybe we're selling them short. And so empowerment, I like that. I like that. I'm definitely going to have to Use that as as one of the my my tool words there. Um, okay, let let's let's do this. Uh, I have two more questions for you, kind of a two part thing. Um, if sure. you had a message, right, and, and and maybe you already have this, right, but if you had a message that you wanted to give to fathers, right, like so, you put together a program and you you marketed it phenomenally. You have every father in the world; they show up. Um, and you have, and let's say it's a podcast. It's, it's the, it's the Warrior, Warrior Academy podcast. They're going to sit down and they're going to listen to you speak. What do you want yep. them to hear?
1: So what, what, I, what message would I give to fathers? The first thing I would say is to focus on character. Focus on developing your own character. When you develop your own character and you develop a strong black belt character, your kids will copy that. So one of the most relieving things about parenting, I find, is that ultimately all you need to do is work on yourself. If you improve the person you are as a dad, your kids will see that too and they'll mimic that, right? So that's the first mm-hmm. thing I would say. The next thing I would say is the old school t- traditional traits that a lot of people are labelling as toxic masculinity incorrectly, which are, you know, um, important masculine traits like courage, like resilience, you know, these things which... um are kind of being watered down in today's society they still hold true so the, the the traditional positive masculine role needs to be reinforced and i think is a very very positive influence in your kids so i would i would look into maintaining that maintaining those strong values and giving your kids a moral compass um, mm-hmm. the next thing i would say is having that focus on character and a moral compass is really important whether it's through religion or whether it's through other things like martial arts but giving your giving your child a moral code to live by is vital because it helps them navigate things when they question everything around them. So those, those few things I would say initially, and then I would, then I would go down and I would, I would probably talk about the, some of the most important traits of, um, of managing time that we've spoken about, but ultimately how being on your life mission is important for your kids to see. Don't feel guilt or shame around being out of the house and working hard because your kids are seeing that. Focus on quality over quantity. When you are with your kids, be fully present. And don't don't be half here and half there. You know, if you're there, be there, because they'll remember that, right? I, mm-hmm. I look back at, like I said, with my dad, and I, I never think, oh, he was never around. I think how present he was when he was around. And that is something your kids will remember. So that's, that's my message for fathers.
0: I like that. I like that. And i to touch on that toxic masculinity thing for a second, because you mentioned some some masculine traits that that go along with with masculinity. And like, <clears throat> I think I think when it I don't I don't like the term toxic masculinity like it. it it. I don't know how it got out into mainstream. It was never really a mainstream thing. It was a psychologist thing that they were using when they were studying inmates. And there's a whole thing to it. Right. But somehow society yeah. grabbed a hold of it and we ran with it. Right. I think masculinity or really anything in excess can be considered to be toxic. For example, like using one of the traits you mentioned, like strength, right? If all I have is strength, then at some point that strength becomes a detriment to me. Because when I need to have finesse, then if if I have a bow and arrow, right, I can pull it back. And I need strength to be able to pull it back. But if that strength is too much, I break the bow right? Now it's useless to me. Maybe I can throw the arrow, right? And I'm so strong, I can throw the arrow. But but I need a bit of finesse to make sure I need some patience. Mm. I need these other virtues that are going to help me do what I need to do. And I think a lot of times men get caught in these situations where we're overcompensating with one or two or three of those traits. And it's in the wrong context. Like, When I need you to be, like we mentioned, nurturing is a, I mean, masculine and femininity are a scale, right? So men can be nurturing, right? In a situation where I need you to be nurturing, if all you can give me is aggression, well, that's toxic. Like, I don't need that right now. You know, I don't, and so we have to have the ability to have a full range of traits and not just be locked on one. And again, I don't think toxic masculinity is a thing. I just think that men have sometimes and in some cases put themselves in boxes of this is all i can be and then society has also helped like put a padlock on that box and say yeah this is what you can be um and that becomes toxic right
1: yeah i totally agree with you on that i I think i think toxic the toxic masculinity and the labeling of toxic masculinity came from a good place i think that it was designed um, to prevent people from having um, misogynistic ideas or reinforcing bad behavior, you know things mm-hmm. like boys will be boys they, you know which people would argue reinforces bad behavior, but I would argue is a societal um, message given to young boys to say to them, You are going to live a more physical life like the bullying that i that I see young boys going through is more physical than it is mm-hmm. for Women or young girls. Right. right. So in that situation, where you label something, boys will be boys, which which basically is typically people will say boys will be boys when the boys are fighting, right? And you know, in that sort of situation, it's like, well, where else? W- what else do they can they do to prepare them for a more physical life? Because if mm-hmm. if we can't, you know, if we can't give them that, and we can't let them, you know, kind of um, be physical with each other, then where will they learn that? And this is where things like martial arts can help. And, mm-hmm. But certainly, I think it, it came from a good place, but it's now, it's gone too far. The, the word toxic masculinity is used inappropriately, I think, in a lot of ways. And I yes. think that the reality is it's not, as you said, it's about the extremes of behavior. It's not about masculinity being toxic. It's about behavior being toxic, right? So mm-hmm. I think th- I think this term toxic masculinity should be replaced by toxic behavior. Uh, also, yeah. another thing you mentioned, which is interesting, is um is nurturing. Now, nurturing for me is a feminine energy. So this is, this is where I feel people have got it wrong when it comes to masculine and feminine. Both males and females have both masculine and feminine energy, right? Agreed. If you want to go out there and build a big business and be very career driven, this is a masculine energy. But women have that too, of course, right? There are incredibly successful women who have amazing businesses and careers, but it's typically a masculine energy. And you've got incredible dads who really focus on staying at home looking after the kids and so on and it's a feminine energy right that doesn't mean that they're less of a man or they're less of a woman it's always this balance of masculine and feminine energy within everyone's lives and i think if we if rather than me looking at it like a gender thing which i think is is confusing a lot of people out there these days and there's kind of this this kind of um blank canvas approach to gender at the moment where everything is very neutral and no one really knows what's going on it's very confusing for kids Instead, let's, let's accept that every individual has a balance of masculine and feminine energy, right? And, and we, we show that in different ways. And to be a brilliant dad, I think you need to have a perfect balance, which is have excellent nurturing qualities, but also mm-hmm. have that ability to instill strong masculine values in your kids, especially in your sons, right? And so I think that's really important. I think also that in any relationship, you've got this balance of masculine and feminine energy. If one's more masculine, the other's more feminine. In most successful relationships, the more feminine one is, the more masculine one feels. The more masculine one is, the more feminine the other feels. Right. So, I think in a in a perfect relationship, you've got that perfect balance. In the most successful relationships I've seen. So, do you know what? It, it, like gender and and masculine, fem, you know, femininity and toxic masculinity is such a a relevant topic nowadays and i think everyone's very scared to touch it because they can get they can get cancelled very quickly right (laughs) Right,
0: Um,
1: and you look at you look at people like andrew tate and you know he talks about masculinity in this way and obviously it's very clickbaity and he's he's very very cleverly um he's very cleverly pressing on a bruise for his commercial benefit but ultimately the bruise was already there right? right he's pressing on a bruise that already exists so you know you you push you push enough and and you 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 call the behavior of young men toxic and say that's toxic masculinity enough it'll eventually you get pushed back. What mm-hmm. I think is rather than labeling things as you know talking about the negativity of masculinity at its, at its extreme, let's talk about the positivity of masculinity at its extreme those 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 natural masculine traits of protectiveness, you know courage Correct. strength, honor these things that used to be known as very stereotypical masculine traits, why don't we look at them in a very positive light, right? I often say to parents, um, whatever you you talk about with your kids, they'll grow into. Whenever you talk to a child, you paint a picture of what they'll become. So if you constantly talk about toxic masculinity and toxic this, and rather than saying positive masculinity, this is the way to be the ultimate man, to look after your family and to have these masculine traits and to be nurturing and to balance it all out. These are the qualities that make you a great dad. Right. I think that's the approach we should have instead of talking about toxic masculinity. That's the way I feel about it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. You've got a supporter here, bro. Um, Okay. second part to that question. Uh, One more podcast is going out. This one, though, is is not as big an audience. Right. This one is a very targeted group. Um, Only two people are going to be able to hear it. Two people, as of right now, I don't know if there's going to be more, but there's two people right now. They get to hear <laughs>
1: with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and those two people are your kids. Uh, what do you want them to hear?
1: As a message to my kids for their lives, or a message about fatherhood.
0: A message to your kids from you could be about you as a father. Could be a message that you want them to learn in life. It, it, it's your choice. Mm. You're you're the, you're the host.
1: Okay, cool. <laughs> um, I would say <laughs> I would say to my kids focus in life on on exploring your full potential to serve serve yourself and mankind i think that's where you'll find happiness i think human beings have a unique desire to serve other people um without realizing it you know we think we're doing it for ourselves but we're not you get more happiness when you serve other people so the first thing i would say is what unique gifts can you explore see see life as an adventure of exploring your unique gifts not a not a horrible pressure of i need to find out what my what my purpose is Often that comes to you by experiencing different things. So I would say to my kids to try everything until they fall in love with something they care about and then explore their full potential to serve mankind through that unique gift. That's the first thing I would say. Uh, the next thing I would say is is focus above all on character. And um, by developing your character and, and focusing on your own character, you become a better person who's able to face life's obstacles um, help navigate traumatic experiences make the right decisions when you need to all because you've got a strong set of values and moral compass, which you follow. Um, and what else would I say to my kids? I think those two things are, you know, explore, explore your, explore the things, explore your passions, um, and explore your full potential to serve mankind through those unique gifts and focus on your character. Those are the two, the two things I would, I would pass on to my kids. I would say.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and you, You embody that, right? Like exploring all these things, like you, military, you go to college, you're an architect for a little bit, right? Then you, (laughs) then you go to India, right? Then you make your way to Thailand, you become a fighter and then you start jumping off of cliffs and then you, then you become an instructor, personal trainer in there somewhere, right? And then you become an instructor and now you're, I mean, if if anyone is to tell you to explore life and pursue helping people, you're the man that that, that should say that, right? And that's a perfect message. Your children. like that's a very authentic message. Like they're gonna hear that and be like, you know what, Dad lived that. He lived what he's saying, and I can believe it, and it's authentic, and that's something that's awesome for them to hear. That that's a great episode, man. I think I think that's a, a phenomenal episode that you just dropped on the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: you, right. Yeah, no. I... I really enjoyed it, you know. I, could, I think you I, could talk about this all day long.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, look, if, if guys are wanting to reach out to you, um, you know, I know you you don't check your emails, so. <laughs> but if they want to re- they want to reach <laughs> my out my to emails you. Or...
1: My emails do <laughs> get checked, but, it, but yeah. <laughs> uh, if People want to reach out and reach out to me personally. They can they can find me on Instagram, Seb. Um, or. Um, we, we're really pushing our Warrior Academy podcast right now, which uh, is amazing. We've got amazing guests. We've got um, Matt Chats, so stories of character development we do specifically for kids. Um, nice. We've got deep dives with me on certain topics just like this. Uh, so that's the Warrior Academy podcast. You can find that on YouTube or, or Spotify um, or on, uh, on iTunes. Um, obviously, I've got the book, so Warrior Method and Not a Victim. Um, Warrior Method is more about character development. Not a Victim is about anti-bullying. So uh, yeah, that's, that's how you can find
0: us. Awesome. Awesome. Um, look, man, I really appreciate you you taking the time out of your day. I know it's early-ish there. You probably have already done three hours of, of training though. So this is not a, not a big deal for you, <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate it, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to share your story and, and talk about all the things that we talked about today. I think I know for sure that I'm going to walk away from this and I already have some things that I'm walking away with that I'm going to, I'm going to start to implement. And I'm sure the guys that are listening uh, are going to have some things as well. Um, so thank you, man. I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thank you so much Pam me on really, really excited to,
0: to get this episode out to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. All right, bro. I, I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you, mate. Great to see All you. Right. All right.